The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by SAP, its staff, and management. Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to run simple. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, oh, come on, you know you're in the right place. Serious topic today. Let's see what the buzz is. Listen up. I found this in an article on Tripwire, and the article is entitled GDPR. Those are four letters we're talking about today, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You've heard that phrase before. Here's the quote. We are all data subjects. And we live in a world where key aspects of our lives will be ever more determined by the data held about us. We also live in a world where that same data is more at risk and open to compromise than ever. Now, everybody just take a deep breath. That's what we're talking about today. GDPR is supposed to help. So when GDPR takes effect on May 25th, 2018, and that's not that far away, today we're live on February 6, 2018, GDPR will require organizations to safeguard the personal data they are handling of European Union citizens and residents, even if the company is not operating on the European continent. And if they don't comply, steep fines at a percentage point of gross profits, I think that's right, we'll find out from the panelists, could be incurred. Ready or not? Here comes GDPR, baby. I have a panel of three experts who are going to help us figure this all out. And in case you're wondering, our topic today is GDPR is coming. Coping strategies to get ready. If you haven't started, it's late. We'll see if we can get you going. First up in just a moment, I'll be welcoming Jeff Sanchez. He's a newcomer to Game Changers. Actually, all three panelists are new. He's a managing director in the L.A. Los Angeles office of the global consulting firm Protivity, and we'll find out what that company does. Joining him on the panel is Nadine Mueller, Senior Manager, EMEA, E-M-E-I-A, it's spelled now, Advisory Center at EY, and Nadine doesn't know that an hour ago I was on the air with another Game Changer show, and we had another speaker from EY, so maybe it's EY Game Changers Day here at Game Changers Radio, nice to know. And then we have Dr. Neil Patrick at SAP. I'm looking down here in his bio, and let's see what Neil does. He has over 12 years of experience in governance, risk management, and compliance and security. Uh, he has worked for the top quadrant GRC software companies. He's passionate about GRC and security. And Neil will tell us his title formally when we get to him. So, Jeff Sanchez, you're up first. Jeff has sent us a quote from lyrics to the police song way back in the day, 1983. The song is Every Breath You Take. Jeff, I promise I won't sing it, but I really would like to, but we would lose all of our listeners if I do. Do you want to sing it for me, Jeff, or not? You know, Bonnie, I was hoping you would sing it because uh, <laughs> I, I don't think I can sing it either. <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll do the opening line, and then it's, it's at everybody's risk. Every breath you take, every move you make, every bond you break, every step you take, I'm off key, I'll be watching you. Boy, was that bad. Jeff Sanchez, how did you pick this this quote? I'm so sorry. Aaron, can we erase that from the transcript, please? Can we please erase that? Yes, we will. Uh, Jeff Sanchez, welcome to Game Changes. Very happy to have you. We love the creativity in the opening quote. What in the world does this have to do with the topic of GDPR? Talk to me. Rescue me. Save me, Jeff. 
Thanks, Bonnie. I'm glad that you, uh, that was your attempt at singing that and not my <laughs> attempt at singing it, because I would certainly not have done any better. Um, so, uh, what I think this, this police song says is the reality of today. It probably wasn't the reality when, when that song lyric was written, but today, everything you do on the internet uh, is being recorded. It's, it's going into logs, it's going into databases, it's all there forever, and you know, how companies are able to use that data you know, to market to you, to identify you, to you know, analyze what you do is really what GDPR is about. So um, you know, I think it's a great example of how, you know, how much the activities you're doing on the Internet today really are being monitored. I don't, I don't think there's anything uh, private anymore uh, as it relates to the Internet, and, and hopefully GDPR increases the rights of the of the data subject and, and has some impact on that. Jeff, let me ask you a question before I go to Nadine and her quote. Do you think everybody is aware of how much is being, as you said, recorded? It's somewhere. It's going into some place. It is there for other people, machines, bots, humans to look at, to dissect to digest, to perhaps use, abuse, take out of context, in context. It's dangerous in them, our hills, I'm going to say that. Do you think everybody is aware that it's that serious? I didn't say bad, that serious. What, what's your observation? I don't think people are. I, you know, one of the things that I find very interesting when, just personally, when I'm on the Internet, is, and I'm sure we've all experienced this, where we, we go on the Internet and we Google something. We Google a vacation spot. We Google yeah. a, you know, a a washing machine brand that we're researching. And then, you know, two days later on a different computer, we're on the Internet and we see an ad for that washing machine or that vacation spot. You know, when that kind of thing happens, I think we all think, wow, how did that, how did they figure out that I'm the same person on this computer that I was on that computer? I think we have those moments where we realize how much of that monitoring is out there, but I don't think people realize you know, the volume of logs that get created. And, and some of that data is being used and some of it's not being used, but there's, there's certainly tons and tons of it being created every day. Thank you very much. Good reality check and welcome to the show. And now let's go to Nadine Mueller at EY. Nadine sent me a very interesting quote, sounded a little familiar, but I had no idea who the source was. It, it, let me just tell you the source. It's R. M. Williams. And when I saw R. Williams, Nadine, I thought, oh, Robin Williams. And I realized not even close. <laughs> Reginald Murray Williams, AOCMG, 1908 to 2003, was an Australian bushman, an entrepreneur who rose from a swagman to a millionaire, widely known as just R.M. He was born uh, north of Adelaide. He had many adventures and he created handcrafted riding boots. Let me read the quote. Trust is the easiest thing in the world to lose and the hardest thing in the world to get back. Yep. Thank you, Bonnie. So what does this mean or what does this have to do with GDPR? Yeah, I think it's exactly what Jeff already told us. You have a lot of data recorded, placed, stored, whatever, wherever. And sometimes we even don't know which companies do what kind of things with, with your data. I mean, at the end, it's a question, so where do you buy things, yeah? Do you trust any companies because, you know, they have a good reputation and they have a good handling of your data and you are sure that they are quite good in storing them, having a right purpose, etc., or you don't know this and do you really trust them then? And I think with GDPR, this 
will become even harder because I don't think that a lot of people are really aware of what happens with their data and where. And in future, I think this is also a point where people yeah, will pay attention to that more based on this regulation. Maybe not all, for sure not. But I think mm-hmm. a lot of people have a kind of rethinking about that. And this is exactly the point where companies in future really need to take care to not lose the trust of the people. I think that's the main story behind it. Thank you very much, Nadine. I, I took my cough drop and I'm better. Thank you. I, I was very intrigued uh, with the source of the quote as well as the quote. Now, we talk about companies' reputations today, Nadine, and we hear, we see companies hitting the headlines. Uh, this company was hacked, that company is hacked. If we didn't see these headlines, do you agree that most people wouldn't have a clue that this is going on behind the scenes? Yes, I think so. A lot of people don't have a clue. And I mean, the private persons maybe are not really aware of that this will happen. Yeah, I think it really depends on which region you are. For instance, if I have a look at Germany, a lot of people already are kind of sensitive for the topic in general because an older law already exists, which will be replaced by the GDPR. But also what really happens at the companies and that um, companies really take care of this and have a view on a perspective based on a private person. I think that's what's Mm -hmm. missing and what needs to be kind of refreshed. Thank you very much. Good perspective, and thanks for the historical look back at the laws. And now let's welcome our third panelist, Dr. Neil Patrick. Neil, before I proceed, tell me, what is your official title, please? Um, Thanks, Bonnie. So I am a director um, for GRC and Security Center of Excellence uh, for MSL. Okay, and now let me read the quote. And Neil Patrick, uh, Dr. Neil Patrick, and he told me I can call him Neil after a while. He sent us a quote from Eeyore, a character in the house at Pooh Corner. Anybody remember the famous beloved Winnie the Pooh stories written by A.A. Milne? Eeyore is characterized as a, here we go, pessimistic, gloomy, depressed, and hedonic old gray stuffed donkey who is a friend of the title character Winnie the Pooh. I had to set that up appropriately, Neil, before I read the quote. And of course, the house at Pooh Corner is 1928, the second volume of stories about Winnie the Pooh, written by A.A. A. Milne and illustrated by E.H. Shepard. And the title of the title of the story comes from uh, Winnie the Pooh and Piglet built a house for Eeyore. So here's the quote: "They're funny things, accidents. You never have them." Till you're having them. Was that a good ER voice, Neil? Um, I think it's a very good ER voice. I think you've you <laughs> captured his sentiments perfectly. <laughs> Thank you. Now, now let's get serious and tell me about the quote. Go ahead. <clears throat> um, yeah, so, and actually, the, the quote follows on very neatly from, um, from the other two speakers, from Jeff and Nadine. Um, so, what I've, what I've been seeing in GDPR is uh, a lot of customers are tackling the things maybe that they can get a handle on first. So there's a lot of interest around consent, consent management. Um, there's a lot of interest around deletion of data, um, tracking who can see data, and, and, and that's, that's necessary. Equally important, though, is being aware of the definition in GDPR of what is a data breach, which is where a lot of the fines will come from. Um, and the definition for that is, is huge. Maybe later on we, I'll, I'll find the, the, the wording and, and um, pull it out. Uh, but essentially, anyone who looks at data that they shouldn't have access to could be defined as a data breach, or if it's lost or stolen, or if it's damaged, or if you lose control of it. So, 
a lot of companies don't actually know that they're having a data breach until it's happened. And, and this is the core, really, of the quote and also one of the issues of GDPR, because it could be that somebody who works within the organization has privileges to data that they shouldn't have, and then they can just see data and do all sorts of things with it. And, and following from Nadine's quote, that is where an organization could lose a huge amount of trust because they can't manage adequately who can see the data. Um, or, for example, in um, Talk Talk a couple of years ago when they had a, um, a, a DDoS attack, which is actually quite a crude attack, but they lost something like, I think, 16,000 records, which in terms of what they had held is not a lot of data, but they were completely unprepared for the media storm that hit them. And when the CEO was interviewed on the radio, um, they fluffed it really in terms of the interview. And the, and the company lost a third of its value uh, yeah. and still is, is not trading up as where it was. So, you know, being unprepared for, for what could be an accident within a data breach. Um, and something that I think might run for a bit further is if you look at Uber, they had a, um, a hack and I think they lost something like 57, what, about a 57 million records, I think, of customers mm-hmm. and drivers. It was hacked a couple of years back. Um, and that, I think, you know, is a massive issue they they weren't aware until that had happened. They they were they had a ransom demand. They paid the ransomers off to delete the data. But that could have been awful in terms of how the data was was distributed. So these accidents, companies aren't aware of visibility of data, and it's not just production data. It could be a data warehouse that sits on some server, which could have 10, 15 years worth of data that they just don't know about. And yet people have access to that data, and that could be the accident. Thank you, Neil. Very interesting. I looked up data breach. Is it okay with you if I read the definition I found online, the first one that popped up? And see if you all agree, we'll go around the table. Okay, so here it is. A data breach is a confirmed incident in which sensitive, confidential, or otherwise protected data has been accessed and or disclosed in an unauthorized fashion. Data breaches may involve personal health information, personally identifiable information, trade secrets, or intellectual property. How close is that to the definition you wanted to share, Neil? Um, it, it, covers, it covers all the sentences of it. It's not exactly what's in GDPR, I think. Well, it's, it's defined a few places, but that covers all, all the breadth of it. Um, it's huge. Basically, if you look okay. at personal data, if you touch personal data, if you store it, if you report on it, um, if you archive it, if you make a backup somewhere, if you put it on a tape, if you send it as an email to somebody, if you put it up on a web server, um, you have to protect who has access to it. Thank you very much. Let's go back around the table to Jeff Sanchez. Jeff, did you like that definition I read? You want to make any any reflections on it, any changes on it, anything uh, you want to add to this before we go to what I'm going to ask Nadine as well? Jeff? The one thing that you mentioned in that definition that I wonder a little bit about is the first part of it. I forget the exact wording, but a, a confirmed or confirmation of the loss of data. Confirmed incident. Yes, confirmed incident was said. Confirmed mm-hmm. incident. Sometimes you're not going to know for sure whether the data was accessed or not. So you could have a case where you have you know, a, a bad guy in your environment and you're not able to determine what that person did. In some cases, let's say you lose a laptop, you might not know whether any of that data was ever accessed or not accessed. So in some cases, you may have something that I would consider a data breach that might not be a data breach under that definition. Hmm, interesting. Nadine, chime in, please. What do you think? Yeah, um, I mean, in general, 
um, I agree with Neil. Yeah, if you think about, you might have access, and you might, for instance, send an email to your colleague with whatever reform you need to work on it. But it's per definition a data breach because you send some confidential data you should not have sent. Yeah, this is already a data breach. And if you think about private life, yeah, to make it a little bit more simple, think about an email account which has been hacked, or think about. Um, bank data which has been stolen yeah my credit card um, was was blocked completely because someone did that and this is mm-hmm. quite easy and it's quite often a point that this person might sit inside and sometimes even don't know that this person does something wrong yeah i think that's also an important point mm-hmm. thank you very much um I, anything I could, you want to add yeah go ahead could, please yeah yeah, I want to, to kind of add on to that. Um, yeah. So in um, the Working Party 29, they, they provide some guidance documents, and there's a, there's a fabulous one actually about data breaches, which I, which I read towards the end of the last year. It changed my thinking to a large extent around GDPR and its consequences, and, and particularly around control over data. So they go through some examples. Uh, to paraphrase, one would be, um, so if you take that example, somebody has a laptop that Jeff was talking about. Um, let's say the laptop is encrypted. Um, it's got mm-hmm. some personal data on, and the security of that encryption is, is strong. And you manage, you can manage who has access to it. It's only the, the person whose laptop it is. And they have a, a strong password, and they haven't been written down anywhere. So, and the laptop is stolen. Because it's an encrypted drive, um, security around that is strong. That probably is not a data breach, um, because okay. whoever's got that laptop can't get access to that data. So, mm-hmm. so that's not a data breach. But let's say that um, a month later, technology moves on and somebody has developed a device or, or some um, algorithm which can then de-encrypt or can hack into that laptop. So then your security on that laptop now becomes breached. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. could be um, uh, a data breach now because that copy of that personal data is out in, in an uncontrolled environment and a, a, a bad guy, bad girl could actually now hack into that. So, so that could become a data breach. Um, there's also some subtleties around if you lose control of the data that you have. So let's say, for some bizarre reason, that server or that, that laptop had the only single copy of some personal data, which was some part of that business operation, and that was stolen, mm-hmm. which would stop you being able to deliver that service, which relied on that personal data. So GDPR also talks about being able to deliver services related to personal data, and if you lose control, then that's, that's also um, the data breach. So there, there are some subtleties around that. Now, these, these could sound like splitting hairs, but I, I don't think they, they are because there are going to be all sorts of um, combinations of data, especially if you look at cloud and IoT, um, where access to data is going to be quite complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think that those kinds of things are, are going to trip us up um, going forward. And then so, you know, Jeff mentioned whether it's a data breach or not. What I, what I see, and, and we don't really know all of this until the regulation actually comes into effect and, and we get all the, um, the test cases, but from what I can understand, so you've got 72 hours to um, notify the authority of a data breach. Um, that's being, aware, being made aware of it, and, and your duty is to try and find out how much data has been lost, what's the consequence of that data. But the main thing, I think, is that the regulator wants you to own up and say, this has happened, and we're investigating it. And then they'll be pragmatic. You don't have to give all the answers in those 72 hours, but you have to say that we're on the case, we're trying to find out what the consequences are, and this is our plan. And I think that's the part that they want to see, that you're responsible, that you have a plan, you're going to execute on the plan. And it might take mm-hmm. you a week, two weeks, maybe more, to know what the depth of the breach is and then notify the data subject. 
but to actually start doing something is, is really important. Jeff Sanchez, two questions. Where are you calling from? And what's in your cup today? If it's interesting, if not, what would you rather be drinking? Talk to me. <laughs> uh, I'm calling in from Los Angeles today. And uh, what's in my cup? I'll tell you, you know, the thing that I've started drinking more of is sparkling water. I bought this new refrigerator this year that has a built-in soda stream dispenser, and I'm trying to drink healthier. And so I'm doing uh, sparkling water from my refrigerator. Ooh, do you put any kind of flavors in it? Do you have favorite uh, lemon and lime and chocolate and strawberry? What do you use? You know, when I first bought it, I tried a a lot of those different flavor things, but I just drink it uh, plain now. Okay. You're a purist. I like that very much. Thank you, Jeff. And Jeff, give me a 90-second overview. What does Protivity do? So Protivity is a a global consulting company. We've got revenue of about a billion dollars, and we help companies to solve their uh, business technology and compliance issues. Okay. That was was less than 90 seconds. You want to talk for another 20 seconds? I'll give it to you if you want. No, that's okay. I'm, I'm, that, I think that's a pretty good overview of what we do. You're, you're very gracious. Thank you very much. And now let's turn to Nadine Mueller at EY. Nadine, where are you? I know we called you. Where in the world are you today, and what's your favorite beverage? So I'm actually in Frankfurt today, and my my cup is filled with a drink. I have learned that this is a fake because it's called a latte macchiato, and I thought that's really Italian, but I found out that no Italian knows what it is about. So it's milk with espresso, and that's what I like. That's what I need all the day and what I drink four to five times a day currently. I'm sorry. <laughs> Very nice. Did you say you have the caffeine in it or you have the decaf? You go for full caffeine? I need caffeine. Ah, okay. I'll, that's a reference point I will pick up in about two minutes. You'll know why I asked. Thank you very much. Okay, and let's talk to Dr. Neil Patrick. Where did we call you today, Neil? I am in a town called Reading, which is just outside of London in the UK. And what are you drinking? So in my cup is a tea. It's oolong tea. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to stay away from black teas. Uh, sorry, Nadine, I'm trying to stay away from coffee as well. Um, and so this is something which apparently helps with digestion and, I don't know, coupling of irons. It's meant to be quite a healthy drink. But I have to sneak in. So after the show, pretty soon after the show, I'm going to head off with a group of friends and we're going to go to a posh restaurant where I'll be eating, eating fancy food and drinking great wine. <laughs> and what's your favorite wine? We'd love to know. <laughs> Oh, um, whatever's liquid. I like reds and whites. Whatever is liquid. I like that very much. And if anybody is wondering, I'm trying to do a real fast look up here on oolong. Oolong is a traditional Chinese tea produced through a process including withering the plant under strong sun and oxidation before curling and twisting. Most oolong teas, especially fine quality, involve unique tea plant cultivars that are exclusively used for particular varieties with a range of oxidation from 8 to 85%. Did you know all of that, Neil? I'm blushing. No. Um, 
I wasn't challenging you. I really wasn't. I just thought it was interesting for our listeners to know that you don't. You can unblush now. Well, in case you're wondering, the three of you wouldn't remotely want to wonder, but I'll tell you anyway. They don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days, and I think you know why. Because I've already done a show an hour ago. You're, this is a double header on Tuesdays, and Game Changers is present and accounted for. And I will say thank you to our listeners around the world. Uh, this series, Financial Excellence with Game Changers, is in its seventh season with us now. We're very proud of that. And it is one of the top three most popular of all. Right now, we're up to 35 Game Changers series. And Financial Excellence continues to draw one of the biggest audiences. So I'm very happy that our three panelists are here on this. This I'm going to call it a special edition because GDPR is something that it's not a fluffy topic. It's here. It's going to be very real in 110 days and X number of hours, and we know that. So I'm just going to say we're going to give my panelists a little bit of a break, 90 seconds. They can take a sip of something. Nadine, I don't think you need any more caffeine. I think you're doing great. We're going to be right back, so don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I'm Bonnie, and I plan to be when we come back. Erin, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Isn't it time for you to transform your finance organization? SAP is leading the way with groundbreaking technology to help finance professionals transform finance. S4HANA, powered by SAP, is a part of SAP S4HANA, the next generation business suite. SAP S4HANA Finance draws upon innovative in-memory mobile and cloud technologies to deliver one common secure view of all your information across finance. This gives you instant insight to drive enterprise-wide strategic value. Learn more about SAP S4HANA Finance at SAP.com. The time for enterprise mobility is now. According to IDC, by 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments, questions? Send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Game Changers. 
Exactly right. We are back. And if you just tuned in, Season 7, this is Episode 2. It's February 6, 2018. We're counting down 110 days in assorted hours, seconds, and minutes until the effectiveness of GDPR. We're talking with a panel of experts on this. Jeff Sanchez at ProTivity, Nadine Mueller at EY, and Dr. Neil Patrick at SAP. And we're going to start the roundtable right now uh, with a couple of comments that Jeff Sanchez sent to me before the show. Jeff is going to be talking about the key steps to GDPR compliance. And let me just read a little intro of two of those steps, and then Jeff will tell us more. First, one of the steps is designate ownership of data privacy. And that is a huge question. He says, assign roles and responsibilities for privacy and data protection across the enterprise. Consider implementing a formal data privacy program to enforce accountability. You know what, Jeff? I'm just going to stop there and let you run with this. And if you have time in your two minutes, you can talk about understanding the data. Go ahead, Jeff. All right, great. Thank you very much, Bonnie. Mm-hmm. So the, the two items that I wanted to touch on were designate ownership for data privacy, as Bonnie, you just read, and then the other one was understanding your data. Mm-hmm. So one of the things with GDPR is it's very, very multidisciplinary. When you think about the data that you have that's subject to GDPR, there's all kinds of different data involved. It could be employee data. It could be customer data. It could be vendor data. Uh, a lot of this data is housed in IT systems. Uh, and so we find a lot of times that there's, there's like one department kind of running this, and GDPR needs to have more than that. You need to have HR involved because employee data is subject to this. You need to have procurement involved because uh, vendors are either you have private data of your vendors or your vendors have private information on your customers. Um, you need to have IT involved because of all the data that's being housed in IT. So we really like to see a like a GDPR committee that has people from all these different parts of the organization, including you know, legal providing overall advice and structure. Um, and somebody should own it. So, so that's part of what we're looking for when, we, when we're helping companies with GDPR is that they have this overall approach and somebody that owns it. Uh, and this kind of overlaps with the next, my next topic, which was understand your data. If you mm-hmm. don't know where your data is, it's really hard to say you're treating data in a way that's compliant with GDPR. And a lot of times people don't think about all of the system machine data that exists in IT. So under GDPR, in addition to the things that everybody thinks about, like name and address and phone number and email address, GDPR also covers what are called online identifiers, and this is mm-hmm. things like IP addresses and MAC addresses and cookies. And there's probably tons more of that than there are of the actual kind of identifiers that people think about. And so understanding this is one of the really key things that people need to get their arms around so you can determine where you stand from a GDPR perspective. Thank you, Jeff. Very, very interesting. I'm intrigued by the concept of the Data Ownership Committee, and you mentioned ITHR procurement. Just quickly, any other departments or uh, business lines that need to be involved in that? Uh, Legal, and then probably the whatever the business itself means. So marketing, marketing is often one of the organizations that gets a company in trouble with GDPR. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking it had, yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. Data, they, you know, use the data in a way that's not consistent with consent. So marketing certainly is another group. 
Thank you very much. Great intro to this part of the roundtable. Let's get Nadine Mueller at EY in here. Nadine, agree or disagree? Anything you want to add to what Jeff just shared? Yeah, I mean, I agree fully. And maybe let's go one one further step. Yeah, the first question is understand your data. And the next question is where are these data? Are they stored? Are they processed? Do they have to be deleted at any time? Are they on a server in India? Are they on a server in the Nordics? Where are these data? Yeah? If you don't have that, I mean, that's the main important step to to kind of implement uh, also further measurements uh, for, uh, to, to really handle that topic. Yeah? And that's really the key. You need to be pragmatic and you need to be efficient for sure. And you should not disrupt your business, but you need to find out where your data are. That's one of the main key assets and the main tasks you have to do when you start with, with your GDPR journey to in order to fulfill really the compliance requirements. Let me ask you a question, Nadine, before I bring in Dr. Neil Patrick. I mentioned before, I think in the opening, are companies late to the party, late to the table? If they're just now learning about this, give me a break. If they're just now thinking about it, OMG. How much work and prep in your your position at EY and the research you've done, Nadine, how long ago should they have started? Mm, I think it's hard to say really how long ago, but I mean, if if uh, it really depends also on, on how big is it, how much data do I need, do I have, how good is my, my infrastructure and so on, but nevertheless, if you start now, it's quite tough. Yeah? Nothing is impossible, for sure not, but the time is really running. We talk about, what was it, 110 days. Um, so to have a huge program at the company with thousands of customers and so on sounds right tough. Yeah. So I think at least one or two years ago, think mm-hmm. about it. But also it's a point, isn't there already something about that included in any governance and compliance stru- structures? Do you really start from the new, from the scratch again? Not sure about that. Thank you very much for your point of view on that. Dr. Neil Patrick, join us. What do you think? Thank you. Um, So I I like the fact that Jeff started off um, talking about data privacy um, because I think there is a a broader play here. So the topic today is, yes, is GDPR, um, but underlying that is is protection of people's personal data as data subjects. Um, And there are other regulations which have an an overlap with, with GDPR, and there are some other regulations in the pipeline uh, so sad news for, for companies who are just looking at GDPR, things like um, the national infrastructure um, regulations for um, uh, infrastructure. So that's more of an IT thing, but it has an overlap in terms of data privacy. Um, there's the e-privacy, the cookie directive. So there are, there are a few waves of data which have a very strong grounding around data privacy. So for an organization who are tackling this and seeing, well, what is my business response? And it is a business mm-hmm. response. Um, they shouldn't just home in on, on GDPR. They should say, you know, how do we handle data privacy in general? Because that will change the culture in the organization, which is really what the regulation, I think, is looking for. So, so that was one thought. And then I was at a, I was at a conference um, uh, about a week ago, um, which actually was being run by EY. Um, so there's another mm-hmm. reference to EY in today's conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a, a very large, a global um, organization that has a massive marketing arm and they've been doing GDPR data privacy now for intensively for some time. And there's a little snippet which I found fascinating. 
they started challenging their marketeers and saying, well, so you've got all this data, and this, this comes back to, again, say, uh, what Nadine was saying about, you know, so what is this data, where is it? They challenged the marketeers and said, so you've got this data, how old is it? And how old do you think it needs to be before you delete it? And they said, well, uh, two years, three years, you know, a whole bunch of answers. And then they started working through the quality of the data. And then they said, well, actually, no, let's make it six months old before we delete it. And then they started running this program, their, their data privacy program, and they've reduced that right down to, I think it's now, something like two or three weeks. So they, their view now is if the, if the personal data that they hold, particularly things around consent, if it's older than about two or three weeks, they get rid of it. And I think that kind of shift is some of the, the shifts that we need to see to, to handle data properly. Thank you, Neil. Very interesting. Let's circle back to Jeff Sanchez. Jeff, you want to add anything to these two points, or do you just, you know what, why don't you just very briefly give us the other three in your list, just very briefly, and we'll go around the table on that, okay? Yeah, absolutely. So the other things so on we my have, list were uh, yeah, perform, a GDP, mm-hmm. sorry, perform a GDPR readiness assessment. So this basically means figure out how you're doing in terms of complying with GDPR once you've figured out what the data is. Uh, next is communicate with partners and third parties. So many times you're either sharing data with third parties and those third parties are obligated to protect the data in a GDPR compliant manner as well, but you need you know, legal uh, commitments with those vendors as well. Uh, and the last one was address data subject rights. So when we talk about data subject rights, we generally mean the what's generically referred to as the right to be forgotten, but also mm. the right for the data subject to ask for kind of an inventory of what data you have on them. And so that data subject right is viewed as one of the more difficult uh, components to comply with of, of GDPR. So those are the, the other three things I had in my list of kind of the five key steps for getting through GDPR compliance. Obviously, there's a lot more, but those, those are the top five things. Thank you, Jeff. Could you just elaborate for a second before we bring in Nadine and Neil on this? Could you elaborate on the right to be forgotten? I've heard that on other shows. What exactly does that mean, and, and how forgotten can we be if everything is stored somewhere? How, how real could that be? Sure. So what GDPR requires is that the company provide the data subject with the ability to have their data deleted or removed uh, upon request. And so that means that if I've been doing business with a certain company, and um, you know I no longer want to do business with them. I can contact them and ask them to give me an inventory of what data they have about me. Uh, and then once I have that, or you know, even I could skip that step, I could tell that company I want them to remove all data they have about me. So that could include things like all my name and address, my order history. Um, they have to delete you know, my IP, any record associated with my IP mm. address. You know, all that data they're required to delete. Now, there certainly are exceptions to the rule. So, for example, uh, an existing employee can't go to their employer and say, I want to be forgotten. I want you to delete all data about me. You, know, you can't okay. be an employee and have that. So there, there's some common sense things that you, know, you can't, if, if I can't provide you the service anymore, then it's kind of ridiculous for you to ask to be forgotten and expect me to provide the services. Um, so this is really kind of if you want to divorce yourself from some relationship with a company, you have this right to have them delete all the data about you. 
Thank you, Jeff. I want to get Nadine's thoughts on this and, and then Neil. Nadine, what do you think? I, I know that the right to be forgotten has been around for a while and you want to have data deleted so third parties can't trace you and you want to silence links to past events in your life possibly that are no longer happening. What's your observation on right to be forgotten, Nadine? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly the point. Yeah, I think that's what we observe already at our clients. And I have to say, I see clients that are not that far, not really ready in some parts, but not in all. And now already they have the discussion about the right to be forgotten, the right of an inventory of all the data which has been stored and collected. And this is a huge challenge. And this brings me back to two of my points yeah so first one is you need to know where your data are mm-hmm. because you need to have an answer to that yeah and if a client says or a customer says please delete all my data i never want to to talk to you again or whatever yeah? and you are not able to do because you even don't know where you need to to search for yeah this is a real problem and this is a question sometimes um um, the, the the clients will really face. And this brings again also the question up again to the trust. Yeah? You trust your mm-hmm. um, the companies if they are able to handle your requests. Nevertheless, if this is nice or not, whatever, but if this request comes in or even if there is a question for, for a consent, you really need to react on that, otherwise you will lose the trust. And that's the main thing that you can also see all the things are connected together. Yeah, It's it's not only an isolated step-by-step, do this, do that. You really need to bring that together, together be efficient, use parts that are already in place, but also have that perspective from that subject, right? That's main important, I think. Thank you, Nadine. Dr. Neil Patrick, thoughts, please. Um, so there's there's some things that are quite um, uh, difficult as well that that GDPR throws into that mix. Um, one of them is they talk around uh, the purpose for which the data is being processed. Mm-hmm. Um, so and, and then this concept of, of minimization as well. So so the setup for that is if you have data, personal data that you're busy processing, there needs to be a reason why you're processing that data. There needs to be a purpose. You need to define what that purpose is. Um, and being being pedantic, if you can no longer remember the purpose for which you collected that personal data, basically you shouldn't be processing it, you should delete it. Um, so, so the right to be forgotten or the right to have data erased, it, it could extend into that realm. Um, so if an organization has this data that collected maybe five years ago, ten years ago, and they don't know why they collected it, um, so that they should need to delete that even before the person asks for that because they've forgotten the purpose, so there's that. Also, if you start, depending on the kind of company, depending on the nature of your business, if you start augmenting the profile about that individual with other data about that individual that you collect from other sources, that also forms part of the, uh, the personal data that you as a company store about that person. So when they ask for their data to be deleted, it's not just the data that you've collected from them, it's also the data that you've augmented about them from other sources. Um, so that become, could become quite a, quite a subtle problem. Um, so these reasons are really important. Thank you very much. Good good uh, structure here, covering a lot of the basic points and a lot of the important the highlights of GDPR. Thank you, Jeff. Nadine, I want to cover something in your notes here I don't think we've talked about. You say GDPR is also a chance to get rid of old structures and isolated governance pieces. Can you tell us more, please? Yeah. So that's also yeah, kind of 
an observation on different clients. I mean, in general, governance is a topic. And as Jeff also mentioned, it's the main important topic, governance and compliance. Yeah. So your, your structure, your strategy, your control, everything really starts with a good governance. And if what we often see at, at our clients is that there are a lot of isolated departments um, responsible for different things. For instance, the IT is responsible for, for some IT security topics, but you will also have nowadays, for instance, the data protection, which does not have to be placed there. You have a different department and you have a legal department and bringing all this together to a kind of holistic governance, which really has a, the, the big picture on it, and also that subject right question, because that's, as I mentioned, one important, I think. So you really have a chance to kind of get rid of these old structures and mm -hmm. really kind of implement a holistic thing where people yeah. need to communicate and where you can also help on being more efficient on that, but also have an answer to the question of completeness, which is also often a question of GDPR. Is that complete? Yeah, that's really often coming up. And how can you say that something is complete? For that, you need to know everything. And that's important. You have an alignment between the different departments and between the different responsibilities and the different roles within the GDPR world, really bring them together. And so it would, would help you to really get rid of this old structure. It doesn't have to be at all the different clients, for sure not. But you, we observed that more often than less, yeah, that's the point. And that's also yeah, something where you need to work on it, and which is also a great chance of GDPR. Thank you, Nadine. Neil, in the interest of time, because we've got to go to our predictions round, and that should be interesting in about four minutes, I want to cover two topics from what you sent me before the show. I think these are very important. So let me read two sentences and ask you to take about two minutes to tell us what they mean. First of all, you say GDPR is often talked about as the end state. It is not. First, it is a process. Second, is better seen as a byproduct of good management. That's the first statement. Second, companies still do do not get the importance of count accountability in rolling out their GDPR program. They're stuck in technical measures, either or both. Neil, I can give you two minutes. What, what's your thought on this? Um, I'll probably start with the first one, I think, and, and we'll see where we go from there. Okay, go ahead. Um, so I, I've, I've been tracking and talking about GDPR for, for many months now, 14 or 16 months or something like that. Um, and as you said in the setup, I've been in the GRC world for, I don't know, 13 now, 13 years or so. Mm -hmm. And I've had a number of workshops with organizations talking about risk, um, business management, um, the process of rolling out a cultural change throughout an organization. And especially when it comes to what is seen as a compliance activity, they do the absolute minimum that they have to, to seem to tick the box and say, yes, we've, we've done that. So it could be, I don't know, SOX or FERC or NERC or Mars or Solvency or antiviral corruption or those sorts of things. GDPR, because it's called a regulation, is often seen as a tick box, um, and they need to just need, they think they just need to do the minimum. So the target is, what's the minimum I need to do to get through the GDPR hurdle? And, and this is a fatal flaw, because it is, a, it is a business change throughout the organization. As Nadine was saying, they need to push as fast to the business as they can. If you ask somebody, what is your customer onboarding process? What is your procurement process? Um, what is your data center stand-up process? 
throughout an organization, it might be different throughout the organization. And it's those differences, that lack of understanding of how people do different things differently, where you have errors, where you have gaps in controls. Those gaps in controls lead to um, breaches that lead to poor control and risk of data subjects' uh, personal data. So that's not the target is not GDPR. The target is to run the business better. So look at your, your mm-hmm. data management technologies. Look at how you handle um, hot, cold, warm data. Who has access to that data? Um, what is your cybersecurity procedure? How likely is it you can have an insider threat or an external hack onto your, onto your data? What is your information security processes? What is your cultural change? Do you have policies that you roll out throughout the entire organization saying, if you're going to gain consent, this is how you need to do that. This is how you capture data for, for children. Um, so these kinds of things, you need to push that up as far as you can into the corners of the business because that will allow you then to get the feedback back to say, yes, I am in control of this. I have good visibility of this. I'm going to now run my business better as a, as a responsible, as an ethical, and as a transparent business. Um, and I and I am in control, and I can show that. And that's going to get you back to the trust that we talked about at the beginning as well. Thank you very much, Neil. Great perspective there. And I'm going to circle around to uh, Jeff Sanchez. Jeff, we are officially now in the crystal ball predictions round of the show. I can give you, well, we've got six minutes left. Let's do this uh, fair and square. Let's give you each 60 seconds. And if we have more time, I might ask a bonus question. How about that? So Jeff Sanchez at ProTivity. 60 seconds, look into the crystal ball. Well, May 25th, as we said, is 110 days and some odd hours, seconds, and minutes away. Do you want to look at May 25th, or do you want to take it out to 2020 and look farther ahead? What's your pleasure? Jeff Sanchez, go. Thanks, Bonnie. So I would predict that most companies are not going to be GDPR compliant by the May 2018 deadline, and that the majority of companies... Uh, are going to take a substantial amount of time after the May deadline to get compliance. Hopefully companies are prioritizing uh, the May deadline to ensure they don't have a data breach and that the things they're doing aren't going to cause consumer complaints. Those would be the things I would prioritize first, but I would predict that the majority of companies aren't going to get there by the deadline. Okay, very interesting. What about that 4% penalty? Is that going to loom large for companies that wake up one morning and say, OMG, what happened to my profit? Where did my bottom line go? Is that going to be the shock of the, of the year or the century? I think that's the big question is how fast and how hard are the regulators going to hit companies? Yep. Uh, certainly, if, if that comes down hard, it's going to accelerate the program for companies that aren't compliant. If there, you know, if compliance, um, if enforcement is lax, I think companies will say, "See, we didn't really need to worry about that all that much." Good point. Thank you very much. Let's move on to Nadine Mueller at EY. Nadine, I have whole big sixty seconds for you. Why don't you tell us what your prediction is, please? I also don't think that the companies are ready, but I think the big journey starts after that date because then what also Neil said is um, there needs to be a culture change and a culture change for sure needs time. Yeah, Even if there are trainings and awareness sessions and I don't know what else, um, you need to have a rethink within uh, the, the companies and this I think will mainly start after that. And what else will happen, I think, is as they now try to have a kind of emergency minimum solution, yeah, this might also 
yeah, be a kind of disruptive after that because if you really see that then later on it doesn't really work and you cannot stay compliant, which will happen mm -hmm. if you don't think about a holistic solution with the connected dots, then I think you will need to rethink again how you set up your business, including GDPR. For sure, one of the main goals, run the business, be efficient, be innovative, but don't forget that and really yeah, kind of integrate it. Don't see it isolated as this is GDPR. Thank you very much. Words of wisdom. And Dr. Neil Patrick, I saved 60 seconds. They're all yours. Go. Thank you, Bonnie. Um, so I think the so two things, and I agree with um, uh, both Jeff and Nadine, I, I don't think customers will be ready uh, by May. Um, and also that the, the real work will start after May because then we'll see the regulators coming in and auditing organizations and, and highlighting where they have um, procedural gaps, control gaps, and so on. Uh, and I, I think this is going to be really hard. Um, organizations will think that they've spent a lot of time getting ready for GDPR, and then they will have the audits, and the regulator will say, actually, no, please fix this. Um, I don't know that they're going to give the large fines to start with. What might happen is they're pragmatic. Mm -hmm. and they, you've got a massive um, misconception here or um, uh, failure here to, to, read, uh, to comply with GDPR. We'll come back in six months, and you better make sure that you've fixed it, because if you don't, by then, we will whack on the 4% of previous year's worldwide turnover fine against you. So I think there's going to be a, a delayed curve, a tail. So towards the end of this year, I think we'll see the real fines, the real public fines, because the companies won't have been able to address GDPR properly. Um, and then the work will start, I think, again. And that, I think it's the second wave at the end of this year, next year, that we'll see. Thank you very much. We're probably going to have to do a part two on the show, I think, and we'll invite all of you back. We have 30 seconds to wrap this up. I want to thank my three esteemed panelists. You're all very, very savvy and insightful, and we really appreciate everything you contributed to a good conversation. Thank you, Jeff Sanchez at ProTivity. Thank you, Nadine Mueller at EY. Thank you, Dr. Neil Patrick at SAP. Let's see what we're going to do to close the show. Well, we're going to use our standard call to action, and this is an important one. And shout out, by the way, to Birgit Starmans at SAP, who put together this panel, and Chris Grundy, who sponsors the series, and to Aaron, our fearless engineer at World Talk Radio, the business channel. So here we go. Call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? 110 days. My goodness. It's a little late, but you still have time to go out and be a GDPR game changer today. There, I said it. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to run simple. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO. And join host Bonnie D. Graham Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, here on the Business Channel. Wishing you a game-changing week.